down the road, you'd be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than the ones you did. So dream, explore, say yes to life. Be inspired to live life as an exciting adventure of discovery. You are listening to the Inspire Possibility Show, and I'm your host, Mark Sussman. Hey everybody, this is Mark Sussnell, and you are listening to the Inspire Possibility Show. Thanks for tuning in, and i got to ask you a personal question. Do you like to laugh? I know I do, and I love to tell jokes. And I love to watch different comedians. And there's a man that I invited to be our guest today, and as you know, every week, I invite people that I consider cutting-edge thought leaders and people to get us to think, to get us out of our box and, and to think bigger and to and maybe do things that we haven't done before. The New York Times is called Will Durst, quite possibly the best political comedian working in the country today. He writes a nationally syndicated humor column and is a frequent contributor on CNN, MSNBC, and Fox News. He performed for three presidents, a mayor's convention, and a governor's conference. In 2016, Elect to Laugh ran for 41 weeks in San Francisco, and his new one-man show, Dirt's Case Scenario, is currently touring theaters across the country. He also is a character in the documentary, Three, Three Still Standing, which can be seen on Amazon Prime. He's had over 800-plus television appearances, including... The Today Show, Letterman, Inside Politics, The John Stewart Show, Showtime, Comedy Central, CBS, and many more. And rather than me continue to tell you about Will, I'm going to let him tell us about him. So thanks, Will, for for being my guest. I appreciate that. Hey, Mark Cessna, thank you for having me, man. And wow, uh, right. yeah, those, uh, th- that introduction sounds great. Can't wait to hear me. I, I know, exactly. I mean, I'm kind of impressed. My God, you've been on all these shows, and now you're on the Inspire Possibility Show. But I have a confession, okay? I've heard you perform going back to the 70s in San Francisco, and sometimes I think, and I know you, you like I said, you've been interviewed a lot, and you've written a lot and all this kind of stuff, Sometimes I feel like I'm not a good joke getter. Do you ever do you ever experience people that are like that? And what advice can you give them that people don't think they're good joke getters? Well, there's an apocryphal story uh, by uh, uh, about Will Will uh, Will uh, No Mark Twain. Uh, <laughs> it was one of the two. Right. Uh, Mark Twain was broke. His brother-in-law had kind of wasted his money on foolish investments. So. He was out on a tour with a book, and he was actually selling the book afterwards because he needed money. You know, he did merch back in uh, the 1870s. And uh, so he's at this Lutheran church in Minnesota, and he had his little speech, and then he goes out and sells his books, and nobody's laughing, nothing. 
all the way through. And, you know, normal laugh lines, you know, he, he, he had learned how to perform and nothing. And finally, he gives up and ends the speech, goes out, sells books, and huge, huge response, huge applause. And then sitting at the, uh, the table, signing the books, uh, some guy said, Mr. Twain, you were so funny. It was all we could do to keep from laughing. And <laughs> sometimes I, so every comic has experienced that audience. Yeah. You know, I've been a musician my whole life, among many other things that I do. But since I've been a little kid, and, you know, I probably I probably play every day. And I used to play in groups and that, and that kind of stuff. But, you know, with music, a lot of times, you know, if, if there's not an audience, a lot of times you play because you enjoy playing. You don't really need an audience you, if you love to play music and you can listen. But a comedian is... You're really dependent on your audience, and, and how do you how do you how do you challenge that when when you have those days when when um, you know you kind of go oh wow I don't know about this audience. Well, you you just have to do it. That's part of the gig. You know, it's like uh, being a waitress. You got to serve the customers, and uh, the quality of food may change, but. Uh, and that's the thing about a musician. I mean, you can go in the basement and study and, and practice and, and emerge, you know, full-blown, like uh, on on the half shell of, of Venus. And But comics, we need to experience that timing. You can write the best bit you ever, uh, anybody ever heard, but if the audience doesn't get it, it's, it's uh, if uh, if a joke, uh, if if an audience doesn't laugh at a joke, is it funny? The answer is no, no. You got to get the audience right. behind you. So yeah, yeah. There are many tricks. There are many tricks to focus them. Uh, but the hard part is when you're starting out and you don't know all those tricks. That's the hardest. Right. And you've been a comedian what forty years now? Fifty years? Uh, well, I started in in high school. I was doing uh, little bits here and there, and then. Uh, I, st- I actually became a full-time comic in April of 81 when I started earning a living. So, But I started, you know, I had many starts and stops, but uh, I started earning a living at it in April of 81. Where, where, what you mean by that is where that was all you did for your income? Yep. You gave up the I, I day, had jo- day jobs day job. That. Yeah, yeah. I had. Uh, if you go on my website, willdurst.com, I have a list of all the jobs that I and I had 108 jobs. Uh, I've counted some wow. some since I started doing comedy and some, but mostly I just I didn't have a career. You know, I I went to college and I had to pay for my own college, so I worked during college and I studied th- theater, journalism, film, and broadcasting. <laughs> uh, kind of a silly quartet there but uh what uh, then i what what yeah. got you to want to be a comedian i mean what you know it's not like everybody you know wants to be a comedian what was it i mean did you say hey I, this is what i want to do i want to be a comedian or what yeah my ma says that when i was six years old i asked where i could go to school to learn how to be a stand-up comic i don't remember it but uh, uh-huh. she said that i did that uh-huh and and you know you've had an illustrious career here with all these television appearances and many many performances. What 
what what would you say the highlight of your career has been? Oh, I'm still waiting for it. I hope it's still you out are, there. Huh? Um, I've been very lucky. Up to I've, now. Been, I've up done to now. many things. Up to now. Uh, up till now, uh, I made former President Bill Clinton laugh so hard he spit water through his nose. Uh, I did that <laughs> once. I could see that. Yeah. <laughs> I I gave uh, the 42nd president of the United States a sinus douche. So uh, I performed <laughs> for George Herbert Walker Bush. Uh, uh-huh. And uh, I made him laugh. Uh, as a matter of fact, because I, I did all the Democrat bashing because it was one of his events. events so, you know, you don't want to embarrass the boss. So uh, I did right. a lot of Clinton Gore stuff. And then it... After uh-huh. he let me go off stage, uh, he said from stage, very funny, Will Durst, like to hear what you had to say if I weren't in the room. And I yelled back, <laughs> no, you wouldn't. <laughs> and got the yeah. biggest laugh of the night. That's that was good, fun. That, that was a good, that was a good, uh, good, good accent. Like, can you, so could you, do, could just right now, could you imitate Clinton? Uh, I have one line that I do about Clinton uh, uh, in Clinton's voice, and that is, uh, I never had sexual relations with that woman. And that's the only line I can do. Uh, Ronald uh-huh. Reagan, well, well. Uh, J- Jimmy Carter, I never got. It was hard to make fun uh-huh. of Jimmy Carter. You felt bad. You felt bad. Nixon, everybody can do Nixon, because Nixon had... Uh, uh, and LBJ, kind of before my time, I was only, uh, you know, uh, 15 when he became, no, what was I, when he be, I was 11 when he became president, so I didn't 64. really work on that. Yeah, 64. And he became president in November 63. November 22nd, right. yeah, yeah. 1963. Yeah, so I was only 11 then. <clears throat> didn't pay a lot of attention. Uh, but Nixon and Cardinal, uh, Reagan, Clinton, and, uh, I can, I can do George W. <laughs> yeah. You, you got to have a yeah. little nervous laugh with everything. <laughs> yeah. Problem with the French. They don't have a word for entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Obama, I, Obama, I never got Obama and I'm, and I'm still working on Trump, still working on Trump. I, I, Get him a uh-huh. couple of times, but I'm not an impressionist, you know. And and when you say impressionist, that's uh, you know the word impression is in there, and that's why uh, so many people you know just do one line and they can capture the essence. Um, Will Jordan did that with Ed Sullivan. Everybody does Will Jordan's impression of Ed Sullivan, but he was the one who uh-huh. captured it with the really big shoe and stuff. Yeah, so it's just a. It's just adding spices to to. It's another spice if you can just uh, you know do a quick impression of the voice, or or you do a, a, an, author, an authoritarian voice, you know, or, or you do a simpering voice. Jim Gaffigan, the comedian, is very good at that. He's he's got these inner voices that he does. So what's happening now in your career? You've been doing this a long time. What is your what is your like? Uh, I don't want to say fantasy, but what would be your like? Uh, what's your dream 
situation now that you'd love to create? Oh, and I oh, say well, in my show, what you know, inspire possibility. What, what, um, what would you like to to you know move toward? Uh, well, next year is an election year, and I have a career every four years. So it's a presidential uh, election year, the quadrennial. So uh, what I'd what I'd really like to do is set up shop in a, a single theater, and then and then work on material every day. That's what I would like to do. Uh huh. For uh-huh. next year. Yeah. Right. And then hopefully when the when the Democrat uh, comes in, I and Trump is forced out, I can uh, I can cut my hair, and uh, it's all over. Right. Yeah, yeah. You, I saw you recently. You kind of let that hair kind of grow, huh? Gave yeah, I'm gonna let. Yeah, it grow until he, until he's gone. Yeah. Yeah. Is that what your deal is? I'm Don't letting my freak flag fly. Yeah. All right. So. Um, yeah. So that's my inspirational goal. That's that's uh, the sun, you know, on the horizon. That's the the rising hope. And I mean, realistically, uh, there's no reason you can't do that. Yeah, but I have no money to do that. And I got to find the I perfect see. theater. It's got to be the perfect size right. theater. It's got to be something with a a mailing list, you know, because I ain't that famous. People won't come on purpose unless I can uh-huh. boost them into coming. Right. Right. You know what's interesting in in your your um, bio that you sent me. Uh, you make a big deal about. Here's what it says. Um, that Durst has told jokes in 16 countries. Is author of five books, six CDs, and has been fired by the San Francisco Examiner twice, <laughs> BBS three times. And so what I'm curious about is is. Why is that? In other words, what is it about being fired? I think I think actually it's kind of impressive to be fired by PBS on three three different times. I mean, once is not impressive, twice is maybe, but three times means that something's going on there. That yeah, they keep hiring you know, me. Is it like a love hate <laughs> relationship or what? Well, uh, PBS and and uh, humor, <laughs> not a match. Right. Before it goes back. So what happens uh-huh. is one person hires me, and then they move on, and they get replaced, and then uh, the new person has a sense of humor of an end table. Yeah. That's what happened at I the Examiner. Uh, that's what happened at PBS. Yeah. Yeah. What I need and, is an and, advocate. And, 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 you know, my sense about you and politics is that I see here you've been a, a frequent contributor to Fox News, I mean, that. What about? I mean, that sounds like a oxymoron. What, is, what yeah. did Fox do? Well, yeah. What did? What did? What was? What do they have you on for? To... Oh, they have a. Uh, I, I was on early when they were uh, kind of experimenting with being bipartisan, and then I uh, had a, a gap, and then they had a late night show called Red Eye, which was kind of a talk show. And it was uh, a Fox uh, uh, Murdoch and Roger Ailes didn't play, pay a lot of attention to it, and uh, so I was I was on that that show uh, quite often for a while. 
Huh. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then what was it like being on the John Stewart show? Oh, this was when he had a show on MTV, the John Stewart show. This was before the Daily Show. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's when I spent a lot of time in New York. You spend a lot of time in New York. And now I used to spend like 30% of my time in San Francisco and 70% on the road. And now it's almost exactly opposite. 70 time, 70% of the time in San Francisco. And, and then, and when I say the Bay area, I mean, you know, all the way up to, uh, Redding and, and East to Tahoe and South to San Luis Obispo and, and you know, like that. So that's the Bay Area. But seventy percent of the time here, and then thirty percent of the time on the road. And then, and then I imagine like you're always thinking about new jokes and, and new material. Yeah. Well, I set myself deadlines because uh, I do commentaries once a week, and I send them out to fifteen different radio stations. So uh, I have to, I have a deadline for that. It's a two minute commentary, and that's uh, uh, that's due. The deadline is Friday morning, and that has to be out because some stations play it on Friday morning. And then I have to write a column, and that goes out on Monday morning. So I use the commentary as kind of like a kernel or a seed for the column, and uh, uh-huh. that the column column gets syndicated. And uh, through various. So what's the and column? And what's about, the column called? Uh, different newspapers call it different things. I call it raging moderate. Uh, Way too some moderate. Some people call it. Yeah, some people call it the worst of durst or burst of durst. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, every, every newspaper calls it something different. But uh, so what's yeah, your what's so, your what's your what are you what are you uh, writing about right now? Uh, this week, it was about uh, the Democrats' indecision uh, facing impeachment. And I did a a little Hamlet sort of a thing. I did uh, to impeach or not to impeach, and then I I borrowed heavily from the play and included lines in the comic, uh-huh. you know. Could you so like... It, it, was, it was fun. It was fun to write. Uh-huh. Could you do a little bit right now? Could you do like maybe kind of, you know... Right now, just kind got, of improving on that. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, I got it right here. Uh, I can't. I, I I would have to read it. I hope that's right. Um, but I mean, maybe put a little humor in it. I mean, if you know, to, with accents and stuff. I mean, if look, if there's a durst, there's a way, right? Yes, indeed. So um, go for it. Go to for impeach it. or not to impeach? That is the question. Whether it is nobler in voters' minds to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous leadership or to take arms against the sea of treason and by opposing end to him. Elizabeth Warren was the first to walk out on Elsinore's foggy balustrade, sound the alarm, proclaiming it our constitutional duty to catch the conscience of a king. Kamala Harris seconded the motion, but most of the rest of the players are following Hamlet and Nancy Pelosi's lead of exercising caution, any more cautious, and they'd be walking backwards. There are more things in heaven and earth, and Pelosi, than in your philosophy. And then it goes on. So mm-hmm. it just kind of cribs. Clever. 
very clever. Yeah, it's, so what, yeah. So when you too, write a, a column like that. Too clever by half. Which, too clever. How, what's involved in doing that? Because it's like now you're putting on your hat as a, as, as a, as a writer in print. And, and I know what's involved in that since I've written three books myself. So what's your process? What do you do? Do you do you just sit down and write, or do you? I always I like to listen to music when I do it. But what what's your what's your uh, what's oh your, I watch you know what your I watch old movies. I watch TCM, and then I I don't have the sound on. I have the uh, the closed captioning on, and uh, uh, I write the column. And I already have. I start out uh, the commentaries. I start out the hey guys, Will Durst here to talk to you uh, with a few choice words about blah blah, and then I, and then I try to come to a conclusion and have a couple of jokes in every paragraph, and, and then I use that so I have to get rid of the opening and the closing, and then use that as the column. So I have a base. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, in other words, a, a set more or less template almost that you just fill in with. Right, I have a primer. Event. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the problems and, is when I write the commentary, I write the commentary on Thursday for to send out on Friday, and then I write the column on Sunday to send out on Monday. But uh, the difference between Thursday and Monday is vast <laughs> with this guy. Right, so I know. This stuff happens every day. And sometimes uh, I'll, I'll get a note from my editor saying, uh, we can't run this because it's too late. Everybody forgot about it in three days. Right. No, it's true. <laughs> Especially yeah. it didn't seem it's even more so that way. Well, well what about if you're yeah. – let me, let me ask you a question, what I'm really curious about. I think years ago, I think I told you when I met you recently that there was a benefit to save the Holy City Zoo, which was a well-known – comedy club in the city and I was a lawyer for the club at that time when I used to be a lawyer and and it was at the Great American Music Hall and I I think you were, were you did you perform there Oh I'm sure I did Yeah it was like I think I don't, the, I don't uh, remember because mid 80s it was the mid 80s benefits to save the whole city do so Yeah yeah I'm sure it was there the mid 80s and and Who so what I'm it? wondering about is, what would you say was your biggest performance? In other words, your most anticipated performance that you said, "Hey, this is this is my big aha. This is like if this happens, my career could take off." Was there like a a moment when you had that expectation? Usually, when you have that expectation, it doesn't happen. Uh, and when you're just working a, a club in Modesto. And somebody is in the audience for no apparent reason. Usually, your best, uh, your most momentous gigs are the ones that you didn't prepare for. Because when I I know that when I tape myself, when I do a, a, a videotape, I'm always too aware of how important it is, and I always clumsily uh, bounce around instead of being with the flow. Because I'm thinking about it too much. It's when you're not thinking about it when you're in muscle memory. And yeah, right. that's when it works. I had the same experience, you know, for what I do. I, I had a, 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 you know, I was doing a video and I never liked it. And then I was at some conference and there was somebody videoing people and she just videoed me 
spontaneously, and it was right. a thousand percent better than the other thing. And I deleted it from the other right. one from my website, and I use it right. all the time on my emails now. And yeah, it was totally spontaneous. And and do you like um, have a routine for these gigs that you do? They're like the day uh, of the. I mean, do you have a certain routine, a certain, you know, getting ready, getting up, or oh, anything you mean like uh, that? a pre-show ritual? Yeah. Uh, my only my only pre-show ritual is uh, some type of uh, sugar about uh, half an hour before the show, like a cookie or two or a candy bar. Uh-huh. I'll get a drink, uh-huh. uh, an entire glass of water before the show, and. Uh-huh. Uh, th- and uh, I got to be alone. Uh, I can't have other people talking to me. Uh, and then a uh, cup of coffee on stage, and that's about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, one and thing a I heard going pee. back when it, a pre-show P. Okay. Yeah, I mean, so so yeah, pre-show P is important, especially with coffee. Uh, yeah. You know, I used I to drink hear a lot of that liquids. a lot of liquids. I used to hear as a kid about comedians because I remember, you know, I'm probably similar age to you. I remember I used to love Jerry Lewis. And and people would talk about how a lot of comedians have had, like, tragic lives. And, and, and they've turned to comedy to kind of get away from their from their personal sorrow. What's your, I mean, do you, do you how do you feel about that? that uh, uh perception i got nothing to compare it to you know i just uh i grew up uh, i met a lot of people uh i was always the new kid that might have something to do with who i am i think you know you pack a lot of life into the 25 years before you actually try to be accomplished as a comic so there's a lot of people who can have torment or or heartache, or, you know, a lot of... I, I think right. the average of comedians, you know, is a little larger because we're trying to make up for stuff. Uh, I think right. that has something to do with it. You know, we're trying to prove something to ourselves or to other people, and I think that's one of the spurs that performers have in order to get out there. It's a challenge. Uh, it's so many things. Uh, so, yeah, I, it's a little probably a little higher percentage, you know, than engineers, <laughs> you know, but it's, it's, right. it's, they're just people had, had stuff happen. You know, what comedian do you most admire right now? Oh, there, you know, I'm Pollyanna. I really am. Uh, I think anybody who has the cojones to go out on stage and attempt to make, People laugh out loud on purpose against their will. It, I think that's that's pretty impressive. Uh, if I had to pick one, there's a there's a comic friend of mine, so I might be a little prejudiced, but his name is Greg Proops, a very funny young man, and uh, he's also an improviser. P R O O P S. P R O O P S. Proops. Proops. Yes. Proops. Like poops, but with an R after the P, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll you know, keep my eyes open if he's performing around here in the Bay Area. 
Um, so let me, you know, I like to ask all my guests because we're, we're running out of time. Is, is oh right God. now, um, we're running out of time, right? But How'd that you know, if there's, we're will, we're going to find a way for you to answer this next question, which I like to ask everybody that I have on my show. What is, and, and I know right now a lot of people are concerned about the world and, you know, Trump and all that kind of stuff. But I, you know, I, I like to ask, what, what inspires you right now? Uh, it's funny. Uh, I'm, I, I have like this, a gene that, uh, you know, how everybody's body chemistry is different. Every right. single human on the face of the planet, not just the fingerprints, not just the DNA, but the body chemistry. That's why some people like, uh, ibuprofen. Some people like aspirin. That's why some, some people, uh, drink whiskey. Some people drink gin. You know, it's, it's, Every single, and I think I have anxiety deficit disorder. I really do because uh, I. So you I have you have ADS. No, yes. What do you have? Anxiety. A- Ang- ADS. Anxiety we'll ADS. deficit. Yeah, A- anxiety deficit. Or ADDS. ADDS. It, yeah, that's what I got. Because uh, so that I, should be on your resume, oh, the, right? A long the taste of a good ADDF. pizza. The, the, yeah, just everything. It's uh, I'm just uh, I, I'm a real believer. <laughs> I'm a believer. Yeah, so so lucky that I got uh, a chance, and my health is okay. Knock on wood, and, and I'm vertical, right. and I get to do. Uh, I get to earn a living at my chosen craft, and uh, I'm married to a, a a beautiful, funny, smart, kind woman who's much funnier than I am, which pisses me off a little bit, but not more than someone. Uh, yes, so you're, so, you're yeah. blessed. You yeah. feel blessed. You're grateful. I, I every day. Yeah, every day. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're we'll, we're out of time. We have 20 seconds, and I just want to say how much I appreciate you being on the Inspire oh, Possibility sure. Show. And yeah, yeah and, and 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 you know just the way you, yeah, and we'll, we'll talk again. And just the way that you, you know, committed yourself to this, I'd have to say, you know, unusual choice. And and congratulations, and and uh, all power to you. And so and back to everybody you, out there, huh? And back at you. Tell them to go to wilders.com and look for when I'm nearer them. Yes, absolutely. Go to wilders.com and and um, check him out. See if, see if he's performing in your area. And go to his in, in, yeah. And everything's on his website. And uh, in the meantime, to you out there, journey on. Thanks for listening. I hope you feel inspired to take the next step in your life. And if you haven't already, please take the time to visit my website at inspirepossibility.com and discover the various services and products we offer that could just very well change your life. 